Well, it is great to be here with everybody this morning, whether you're here in, the per- in person or you're watching there online. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, like Pastor Lane said, my name is Brett Kinberg, and I am the Connections Pastor here at Red Hills Church. And what that means is I help get people connected, whether it be into small groups, into community in that way, or through discipleship, which for us looks like our ne- Next Steps class. And if you've never been to Next Steps, I would like to invite you this morning. Um, next week, we will have Next Steps, and it happens the first and the third third month. Yeah, somewhere in there. Um, happens the first and the third month of every or first and third week of every month. So we would invite you to come join us at Next Steps. This is not just an entry point into community, but also into serving in the life of Red Hills Church. We believe that as believers, we are all called to be joined and jointed together, every member supplying what the body has need of. So whether that's the greeters that greeted you at the front doors, the people that made your coffee this morning, or the people who helped you find a seat when you came in. Maybe it's helping lead worship or some other things that are behind the scenes. We've got so many areas that you can be involved in, and we would love to sit down, have a conversation with you, maybe have a donut, and, uh, and talk about um, every area that you can get connected here at Red Hills Church. So next, next week, we will be doing Next Steps. I'd love to see you in that class. Well, today, as we continue on in our series called Rejoice, I want to look back on what we've already learned. Because I I believe this, and and, and we sang a little bit about it um, this morning, but I believe that when we take the Word of God and we apply it to our life, that we change because of it. Because when we become doers of the Word of God and not just hearers only, that's what causes transformation in our life. And Jesus said it this way. He said, those who do my word, those who hear my words and do something with it, they're like the house that was built upon the rock. When the storms of life come against it, their life is not destroyed because of the storm. Why? Because they built their house upon the rock. What does that mean? That means, hey, when we hear something on the weekend, let's take it home and let's apply it. So let's talk about what we heard week one of of this series called Rejoice. Pastor Lane came in and, and he talked about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Salvation has now been made available to each and every one of us. Now... Jesus, as he comes back from the dead, goes and he speaks to his disciples. For the next 40 days, he appears and he talks to them. And what does he do? He gives them a mission. Lane Lane called it this. It was a missio day, mission from God. And that is that we are all called into full-time ministry. How many of you guys know that you're called to full-time ministry? Let me see hands. Okay, for the rest of you, go back and watch Lane's message. Um, we are all called into full-time ministry. This does not mean that you quit your job and you come and work at a church. This means you take Jesus with you into the workplace. Whether that be at the hospital, if you're a doctor, a nurse, a technician. Um, If you're a construction worker, they need Jesus. Take them out to the construction sites. If you're an engineer, if you're a teacher, if you're a student, if you're a full-time parent, let me, let me tell you this. This is your mission field. Teach your children who Jesus is. Live a lifestyle that they can follow. We are all called into full-time ministry. And so this message that we heard on week one of Rejoice was just that, that we have a mission from God. 
And then last week, Pastor David Beavis came in and he got to talk about how we can find joy in our mission. Jesus said this, he said, in this life, you will have trouble. Let it sink in. Yes, we are all going to have trouble in this life. How do we have joy in the midst of our trouble? Pastor David said this, he said, the true source of joy is the presence of God. And I love that he, he referenced Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence was this, this monk who lived and he wrote um, some journals and they compiled them into a book called Practicing the Presence. In this book, he talked about, as, as a baker, he was a monk, yes, which means he didn't work a, a, a normal nine-to-five job that we would think of, but he worked every day baking bread. And every day he would get up and he would focus on the presence of God, about how God had called him to make bread to feed people. And every day he would wake up and he would acknowledge the fact that God's presence was with him. And what he did is he began to live out a life of worship called this, acknowledging God in everything that we do. And this is your reasonable act of worship, that you live your life as a sacrifice to our God, worshiping him in everything that you do. So this, this idea of practicing the presence is such a great picture for us to, to recognize that I can have joy in chaos, like we just sang a few minutes ago. I can have peace that makes no sense. Why? Because I have the presence of God with me in every situation that I walk through. But how many of you guys are experiencing the fullness of joy? You, you had joy all week because of the message last week. Anybody? Anybody? Okay, good. We got some. Okay, right on. Good job. You applied the word. For those of you who didn't experience joy all week, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to help us go a little deeper into this idea of experiencing the presence of God. Um, if you're taking notes today, you can uh, go ahead and open up your Bible app, or you can open the Church Center app, go past Groups Giving, all those little tabs at the bottom, go to More, and then click on the message notes. You can follow along in your notes with us. The title of my message today is called Joy in Praise. What do I mean by that? I, I, I mean, there, there, there was this, this quote that really, I feel like, encapsulated what Pastor David said last week. And we're going to launch off on this, and then, and then we're going to go a little deeper. The quote is this by William Van der Hoven. Life need not be easy to be joyful. Joy is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of Christ. It sounds very much like a quote that we like to quote often around here, right? And, and that is that faith is not the absence of doubt. It is, the, it is the audacity to trust God in the midst of my trouble, right? In the midst of my doubt. In the midst of the thing that I'm fighting, I can still trust in God. I can still have joy in chaos. Man, this, this worship set could not have been have been hand-selected more perfectly because what I'm talking about is the praise that we bring to God no matter what is happening around us. This week as we dive into this, I want to define praise for you. Because may maybe you, you hear that word praise and you think, okay, praise and worship, right? Well, yes, praise and worship are, are, are usually synonymous. They go hand in hand, but they are not the same thing. We talked about worship a moment ago. That is acknowledging God's presence in every day. 
in everything that we do, doing it as unto the Lord. That is worship. Okay, that is a life of worship. Praise, on the other hand, can be defined in three ways. Let's, let's look at these three modes of praise. In the Old Testament, we find yada, which means express gratitude. This, is, this, I believe, is the very foundation for praise that we walk into. When we are grateful for what God has done, when we are grateful for the cross, in every day, when our feet hit the floor and we say, thank you, God, because I'm breathing, and you woke me up today, that's praise. But then more specifically, zamar, which means sing aloud to God, is something that we did this morning, right? We came in together as, as a corporate body, and we begin to sing praises unto God. This is zamar, and this is something that we are called to do as believers. And, and the last one that I would like to, to highlight here is halal, which means to acknowledge the worthiness of God. Why can we have joy in praise? Because he is worthy of it, whether we feel like it or not. In the midst of chaos, I can have joy. Why? Because I worship Jesus in the midst of my chaos, in the midst of my sickness, in the midst of my financial troubles, in the midst of everything that is going on around me, I can still praise him. And what does that do? It allows me to experience his presence, which is fullness of joy. I'd like to share a story that kind of exemplifies this. When I was young, when I was, when I was nine, my, my parents, they, they decided that there were some irreconcilable differences between them. And that's just a big word for they decided to get divorced, right? And so at nine years old, my, my father figure, the person who was my biological dad, decided he was going to leave our home. Now, for the next couple years, I, I, I got to spend weekends with my dad, right? I got to do the every other weekend thing and go to air shows. And, and my dad would try and make our, our, our weekends together fun. And so I kind of went into this state of just numb. I didn't deal with any of the pain that was caused by a separation between my parents. And, and, and so from 9 and 10 and 11, I just kind of ignored it, pushed it away. But then by 12 and, and 13, I, I began to develop some bitterness, some anger. I began to fight with the deep hurt that had been caused by my father. There was brokenness in my life. And, and by 14, um, I, 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 I went to this camp. I went to a youth camp. I'm so grateful Lane was talking about that earlier. You see, I, I was a worshiper. I loved to worship God. In fact, in junior high, I joined the worship team. And, you, and, and let your imagination run wild with that. I was a vocalist, a male vocalist in junior high. Go ahead. Let your imagination go there. I'm sure they muted my mic at, at certain times. But, uh, but in that, I loved to worship and praise. So in one hand, I have this brokenness in my life. And in, this, in my other hand, I kept acknowledging how good my God was. And as a freshman in high school, I go to this youth camp and, and God begins to speak through the, the person that was giving the message that, that night. And I remember 
I, I don't remember the songs that we were singing. It was probably something along the lines of, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are, and you are perfect in all of your ways. What was I doing? I was getting beyond my circumstance and the brokenness of my life and acknowledging God as my dad. And I remember I, I, I was, you know, crying and snot all over the floor. You know, I mean, the, the, it, it was that worship experience that nobody really likes to talk about. But when you see it happen, you know God's doing something in somebody's life. And he did. God spoke to me that night and he said, I want to be your dad. I know that, that, that your earthly father has disappointed you and you've been hurt. I want to be your dad. And this is what praise did in my life. It allowed me to go from a broken teenager to somebody who loved Jesus and acknowledged that I had a dad. Not a biological father. He wasn't as much in the picture. But I had a dad who loved me so much. And he began to heal that brokenness and hurt that was on the inside of me. And as I began to walk this out for the next 10 years, God continued to bring healing. And I went back to that same camp as a counselor at 24 years old. And God finished something. Through my praise, through my worship. God began to take me back and he said, okay, we, we've done a lot of repair work. We've healed a lot of the wound, but let's pull that last stitch out. And I remember the pastor, his name was Damon Thompson. He was speaking that night and he said, some of you in here, you still have wounds that have not fully healed. And he spoke. And, and, and as we were in this service of worship, I gave the last of it to God. And I said, God, 100%, I release any offense, any hurt any brokenness. God, I release that and no longer hold on to the hurt that was caused by my father. Why? Because I have fully forgiven him now. I let it go at the foot of the cross. And in that moment, he pulled out that last stitch and I was whole. This is what I believe we can enter into through praise. And if you don't believe me, well, let's go to the word. All right. So if you're taking message notes this morning, um, we're, we're turning over to Luke's gospel, chapter 17, and we're going to be reading out of verse 11. In verse 11, we're going to start here. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy, met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when, they, and, and when he saw them, he said, Go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to praise God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. 
Let's pray as, as, as we dive into the word this morning. Father, thank you so much that your word brings clarity, it brings truth, it brings peace into our lives. Father, this morning I echo the words of Jesus and I say, not my will, but yours be done. God, as I speak today, would you empower my words by your Holy Spirit? As, as we begin to dive into the scripture, Father, would your truth come to the front? God, would anything of my own wisdom or my own experience or my own understanding fall by the wayside? But God, let your truth reign today as we learn from you. As we sit at the foot of the cross, as we sit at Jesus' feet, as we worship you, God, would you bring truth and make it come alive on the inside of us? as only you can do. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as, as, as we dive into Luke chapter 11, we have to know who's writing um, this book. I believe context is, is one of those things that can help us more fully understand why Luke might have brought some things to the forefront as he's writing. Now, Luke is a doctor. Any doctors in the room? Any, any in the medical profession? Oh, nope. Okay, yeah, okay. We got some people going through, yeah. Um, so in, in that, Luke likes to know what makes things tick. Why have things happened the way they happen? He's, he's one of those guys who notices the detail, and I'm going to point out some of the detail that he notices in chapter 17. First, he says this. He says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Uh, Luke is pointing out the fact that, that he's in a specific region. He's in between Judea and Samaria. And these two neighboring nations are at war with one another. Or if not at war, they're at least hostile to one another. They don't get along. Any, anybody bump into people? Um, in, in our area that we don't get along with, right? We think differently. And, and so in, in, this, in, this, in this verse, what he's saying is in this area, these men, these 10 lepers would have come from both sides of the border. And, and, and the reason I say that is in their culture, leprosy was a death sentence, if you've ever heard of leprosy, let me give you a little bit of a word picture. And I, I'm really trying not to gross anybody out, but I, but I have to explain what leprosy is for you to understand why people are pushed out of their communities and caused to live in what is called a leper colony. You see, leprosy was a skin disease, and as it began to work its way into people's bodies, they would begin to lose things like noses and ears Sometimes fingers and, and toes would fall off because of decay in their life. What would happen is they, they would become so broken at, at, at a point that they would eventually bleed to death. And so I, I know that's a very graphic thing. I, I apologize for any children who are in the room. Um, I, I did not mention that this was PG-13. Okay, so as we're talking about this, this disease of leprosy, we recognize that in their communities, they would put people away from the community because they did not want this to spread to anyone else. It was passed on by touch. And, and, and so 
in this, in, in Jerusalem and, and the Jews, they actually had commandments from God to put these people out of their community, that they had to live away from the community. And so what we see is we see people that are both Jew and Samaritan forced into community with one another. Anybody feel like you're forced into community with people that you don't get along with or agree with? These men are all living in a broken state in their life, and, and they're probably at the end of their rope. Because they're like, we've been, we've been forced outside of our communities, we've been forced outside of our families, but there is a man. There is a man who can heal us, and his name is Jesus. And so they, they, they decided they were going to go meet him, and, and they approached Jesus at the entrance to this city. And if you, don't, if you don't know anything about the customs and the culture of that day, they, they, were, they were bringing on themselves such retribution that could have led up to death. They could have been killed because they were walking into these communities with this disease. They could have been shot. And so in this, they, they face the penalty and the consequences, and they say, it's worth it for us to get to Jesus, because Jesus has something that can heal us that can take away this death sentence in our life. So they approach Jesus, and they say, Jesus, Master, they all acknowledge, the Jews and the Samaritans, they all acknowledge that Jesus is their Master, and they say, have mercy on us. And when they do that, Jesus tells them, go and show yourself to the priest. Now again, we have to understand the culture. We have to understand why he would tell them this. Because what he was saying is, I want you to go and show yourself to a priest because you're going to be healed. He didn't heal them in the very moment because Luke recognizes this. He says, as they went, they were healed. So we see a key in, in, in this that they took Jesus' word and they did something with it. The reason I said the prayer in the beginning of this gathering is because we are all called to do this in our life. If you have brokenness in your life, I know I do. And if I want to see that brokenness healed, I actually have to take Jesus' word and obey. This is not works-based theology. Please hear me. Jesus paid the price. But when I obey his word, then God begins to do things in my life. As they went... They were healed, or they were cleansed, is, is, is what Luke writes. And so as they go, and they're all cleansed, one of them, recognizing that he's been cleansed, turns back around and he goes, I got to go talk to Jesus. I got to go say thank you for healing me. I got to praise God for what only God could do in my life. They all said, Jesus, Master, they declared that he was their Lord and their master, but only one returns. And he wasn't even a Jew. And the Jews said, well, you know, God is our God. But this man who comes back, he's a Samaritan. He approaches Jesus and he says, thank you. He worships God for what God has done. He praises God in a loud voice for what he has done. And then he says, thank you to Jesus. And Jesus looks at him, and I'm sure he's got this compassion in his eyes that you can imagine Jesus looking at you with, and he says, son, I'm so grateful that you came back, but I thought 10 people got healed. 
I sent 10 people out to go be healed. Where's the other nine? Where are the people who call themselves my children? Where did they all go? I think sometimes in our desperation, we ask God to help. And when he meets us in our need, when he meets us in that darkest hour, we, we receive it, and then we just move on with life. We come in, we give our life to Jesus, right? We have an experience at church. And then we move on from church as if we just expected that to happen, right? We go back to our job, we go back to our life as if nothing has changed. Although we've been set free and we've been delivered and we've been healed, it doesn't change the way we live on a daily basis. And I can't help but wonder if the other nine missed out on something. It, did they miss out on the peace of God because they did not come back into the presence of God? What do I mean by that? Jesus looks at this one and he says, son, stand up. You can go, but your faith has made you well. In some translations, it says your faith has made you whole. This word whole is synonymous with peace. The broken things in your life are now mended, and you've gone from a place of brokenness to wholeness because you came back and you worshiped God. And we all have this opportunity. We all have this opportunity to come back to the cross. When God does something amazing in our life, we have an opportunity to come back, give thanks to God, and to worship him, and to praise him. And so many of us, myself included sometimes, we get, we get wrapped up in all of the things of life, and we go back to work as if nothing has changed, but God has changed us to the core. And if we don't come back and worship God, are we walking away from the peace that he has for us? Because we don't come back into his presence. All of us are looking for God to do something in our life. But the fullness of our joy is not found in the gift alone. It's found in the giver of that gift. Praise is a way in which we acknowledge the giver of the gift. And we don't just come to him to give us something else. As we enter into this, I, I, I love this quote by F.B. Meyer, Frederick Brotherton Meyer. He said this, he said, joy is peace dancing and peace is joy at rest. Not that we have to have one to have the other, but when we enter into the presence of God, we experience fullness of joy. And God brings peace into our lives. But then when we receive that peace and everything has been mended and made whole, it's like we take that fullness of joy and we just wrap it around us like a blanket and we rest in his presence. And there is truly a fullness of joy. What Pastor David taught last week is so important, but I think we can go deeper into it by experiencing his presence in praise. If you would, could you turn with me in your Bibles to Psalms 100? We're going to read this one together. And, and, and I do this specifically because I want you to speak these words of praise out to God. 
praise involves a sound. It involves a saying something. So we're going to all read this together here in just a moment. Well, let's begin to read. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Read together. Come on. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. But there's something that I, I need us all to see in this. We're, we're worshiping God. It says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. How many of you guys shout louder at a football game or a concert than you do in worship? We, I, I think we all find ourselves in this place sometimes. And I am not, please hear me in this, I am not trying to say, you can earn something from God. That is, I am not saying that. But when God has made his presence available to us and we turn our back to it and we walk away without giving thanks, without giving praise, it breaks my heart because I do it too. When, when I walked into that worship gathering at 14 years old, and begin to experience healing in my life because of God's promise, I acknowledged something. I acknowledged that he was my father. And what did I do? I began a journey of acknowledging his presence regularly through worship. And I didn't just do it on the weekends. I began to worship God in my own private time. With God, I, I would sit and I would consider how much he loved me. He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. These are the songs that would, they would inspire me to think on how good God was. And it didn't matter how broken my life looked. It didn't matter that, that, that I, I, I looked around and felt broken. Because I didn't have a dad that would go do things with me like some of the other kids. It didn't matter. Why? Because he loves me. Oh, how he loves me. And when I acknowledged the goodness of God and I praised his name, this, this, this verse, verse 4, it jumps off the page at me. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. What happens? There, there is something that happens. We enter into something by what we do. Now, I am not teaching a works-based theology. Please hear me. Jesus died, and he paid the penalty for sin. He forgave us, and he healed our brokenness without us being worthy of it. Please hear me. But in that, do we miss out on everything that God has made available because we turn our backs to it? 
This is joy in praise. We have an opportunity every week to lift our voice with all of this body of believers. And God can do miracles every weekend, every day that you choose to worship in praise. When you do that, God can work in your life. And as the worship team comes back, as the, as the worship team makes their way back to the platform, I, I want us all to consider what we have available to us. We take communion every week, right? You can take your communion elements out right now. We're not going to take them just quite yet because I want to think about this. I want to look at this and see what God has made available to us. <laughs> this verse... And it keeps getting to me every time I look at it. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, right? So this is the foundation. We don't even get to start making our way into his presence until we're thankful. But then we enter his courts through praise. The, the, the ten lepers that came to Jesus, they were all looking for God to do something in their life, right? We need healing. We have a brokenness in our life that is a death sentence, and we can't fix it. So God, we come to you. And Jesus, when his body was broken, he did it to fulfill the scripture, Isaiah 53, that his, by his wounds, we are healed. I believe that there is healing in the presence of God. And when we walk into that, we acknowledge what God has done, and we're thankful for it. But that's only part of it. God can heal you, and you can still walk away and be unchanged eternally. But oh, the blood. Jesus took the bread, and he gave it to him. He broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. But this is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. We can enter his gates. We can receive healing. We can, we can get around Jesus and, and receive something from him. But when we lean into praise, we experience the fullness of joy. Why? Because we stand before God blameless because of what Jesus did through shedding his blood. We can all enter into his courts with praise. We're going to go back into a song of worship. I'd like us to go ahead and take these communion elements together, please. <laughs>